Good evening. I asked Brother Randall to sing that song for me. The uh, title of my lesson tonight is Letting Your Light Shine. Now, light, that's, let's, let's take a look at that word for a little bit and uh, see what we can make of it. Of course, we know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we don't know what kind of light this was in Genesis. There are several different kinds of light. There's the visible light, ultraviolet light, infrared light, many other different things. Of course, if, if any of you have taken a science class, I guess, in the last hundred years or so, which I think that covers about everybody, probably learned a little bit about how light works and how we are able to see things. Light from whatever source bounces off an object straight into your eye. Your pupil adjusts the brightness to make sure you can see it. Your eye refracts through the cornea to your optic nerve right in the back, the little area of the eye called the macula. The rods and the cones adjust for color, and that image gets sent down the optic nerve to the back of your brain, and then your brain interprets it as Vestal sitting on a pew, or as Andrea taking notes, you know, instantly, immediately. Your brain is able to tell you exactly what you see. And the reason we can do that is because of light. If it weren't for light, we couldn't see. If you close your eyes, you can go ahead and try that out. I dare you. Without light, we can't see. And uh, Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 5 what I had uh, Brother Colonel read for me. Let me flip to it here. Ye are the light of the world. That's in verse 14. A light of the world. Now, this is one of those statements that we read that should really kind of get our attention when we read it. Um, it's, it's a very remarkable and glorious thing to be a Christian, okay? It's, it's not just something, yeah, I'm a Christian, okay? It's not a checkbox that you check when you fill out a, you know, a test or whatever. Religious orientation, Christian, that, that's not what it means. You know, being a Christian means being a child of God, okay? More specifically, uh, Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once in darkness, oh, I'm sorry, for you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay? Being a Christian means being part of that light. Okay? Being made of light. Now, this light that we have, this Christian light, of course you've heard it called Christian light several times, is supposed to be seen by everybody. Okay? Just like visible light, just like you know, flip the light switch in your house, this Christian light is something that should be on all the time should be there for men to see whenever they look at you, whenever they think about you. It should be what they notice. And, of course, I'm talking about being setting that Christian example. We're going to just call that light for the, for the purposes of this lesson. <clears throat> now, this light, like I said, should be on all the time. It should be on when you're at home by yourself. It should be on when you're driving in the car. It should be on when you're at work. It should be on when you're playing golf, when you're playing video games, when you're sleeping. That's kind of hard to do, but should be on at all times. There is no situation where you should turn this light off that you should even want to turn this light off. <clears throat> and note that Jesus did not say, you are the light of the church. That's not what he said. He said, you're not the light of the church. You're not supposed to just shine your light in this building or in another congregation. He said, you are the light of the world. And in that world is where you're supposed to shine. 
Now, since we live in that world, this world should know that we are Christians. They should know that we are good people, that we are weird or peculiar, as the word is said, that we are different. They should be able to, to tell this. Now, our good deeds, you know, what a lot of people, I guess, get caught up in, and there's, there's instances in the Bible, we'll look at those in a second, is people try to be good to make other people think that they're good. They try to do good things so that they can get the praise. Oh, you know, good job. You did a great job with that. I'm so proud of you for doing that. That's not why we're supposed to do good things. That's not why we're supposed to let our light shine. Our light is there so that people can see God in us, not so that people can see us in us, but so that they can think that we're a good person and that we do good things because we like getting rewards. No. We're supposed to do good things so that people through us see God. When they ask us about it, we tell them. When they ask, why, why do you believe this? You tell them, because the Bible says this. That is what it means to have your light on all the time. Now, some people take it to extremes. And, and here in, in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 5, um, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Okay, your Christian light is supposed to be a candlestick or a lantern. Now think of, think of the way that when you turn a lantern on or light a candlestick, think of how the light goes everywhere, fills up the entire room. Okay? Picture that in your head and then picture, on, in the other hand, a flashlight. Okay? Some people think that their Christian light is supposed to be a flashlight. Point it at one thing or turn it and point it at themselves so that that is what you see, so that that's the only thing you see. They can pick out what, what they want you to see and they hide everything else in darkness. Okay, that is what we're not supposed to do. So keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. Christian light being a lantern or Christian light being a flashlight. Okay, keep those two ideas in mind. We'll come back to those. <clears throat> now, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 9 says we're to behave like a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Of course, God's own special people. Some Christians do okay with that. Some of them are more like the church ladies get on Saturday Night Live. That's probably 10 or 15 years ago since that's been on, if y'all even know what that is. Um, some people are, what, I guess, what you could call zealots or fanatics in public, and they do it on purpose to get attention. And we're going to talk about that in a second, too. Now, and, and Acting like that really doesn't... Uh, it doesn't glorify God at all. And I'll give some examples of that. And But more specifically, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you're following along. We're going to start uh, with verse 2, and we're going to read a few in uh, Matthew chapter 6. And let me see, Matthew 6, 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Skip ahead to verse 16 there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy father which is in, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
So here we've got two examples of praying and fasting. And both of those times, Jesus said, and these are the words of, of Christ, do not do it so that other men can see it. Not that other men can see it, but don't do it for the sake of other men to see you. You know, it doesn't matter if other men see you pray, that's a good example, but don't do it for the simple reason that somebody else is going to see you and think that you're a good Christian because you're praying or because you're giving to the poor or whatever. <clears throat> Skip ahead to chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And we'll, I'll be reading verses 1 through 5. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues. Now, this was a common practice with the Pharisees, excuse me, with the Pharisees back in the times of Christ. They would be the ones to sit in the front. If there was a, a feast, they would go to the front where the food is, the elevated uh, eating area, and they would eat up there so that people could see them, so that people could see them eat. Because I guess it, it either it made them feel good or because they thought that, that was a good right thing to do. Well, we have been told specifically now by Christ himself that that is not what we're supposed to do. Our Christian example is not supposed to be a flashlight that shines, you in the, shines somebody in the face and blinds them. Our Christian light is supposed to be a lantern. Shines all about us, soft, warm glow, lights the whole room. <clears throat> now there are several, I guess, things to talk about. I've got about uh, five different points I'd like to make about things that we do in our lives during the day, you know, normal living, that we'll have to decide whether we want to have the lantern or the flashlight. And I'll give you some examples of both. Point number one, our clothing. You know, I, we've heard these you know, lessons up and down, back and forth, inside and outside. You guys know what to wear. That's, that's not my point. Um, you know what modest clothing is. You know that we are told to wear modest clothing. Now I'll give you an example of a flashlight. Okay? A Christian line that is a flashlight. Take some of the, uh, the Amish people. Yes, their clothing is very modest. Even, you know, it covers everything. It's plain. They don't stand out. Or their intention is not to stand out. But uh, can you think of any time when you've been out in public and you've seen an Amish person that you haven't looked at them every time? That you haven't glanced at them and noticed that they were there? They, they don't hide in the crowd because they stand out. And that is one of the things that the Amish people do to draw attention to themselves so that they can say, yes, I, I ride in a horse. I don't ride on a horse or I ride in a cart. I don't drive a car. I wear this clothing. You know, that's one of the extremes of a flashlight. They're taking that flashlight, shining it on themselves, saying, look at me, I'm the example. That's not what it means. You know, if you ask somebody, say, look at me, do what I do, that becomes, you know, not the right thing. And you're setting your example, you're showing, you're letting your Christian light shine. You're not looking at everybody and saying, look at me, watch what I do. This is how you're supposed to live. That's the idea, but 
doing it kind of makes you a little arrogant, makes you a little little cocky. Little people don't like it when you do that. When you say, "Huh, you're doing it wrong. Watch me. I'll I'll show you how to do it." That doesn't make anybody happy, and that's not the way that we should be letting our light shine as Christians. Now, that also means, or on the other hand, <clears throat> you have one extreme with the Amish completely modest clothing. The other hand, I'm not saying that you know you have to have to dress, I guess, like you're from the last century in order to be considered modest. Well, there are several examples in the Bible of people who followed Christ, who were said to have been faithful people, and they didn't dress dress like the Amish. They didn't dress down. Um, Lydia was a seller of purple. You know that is in uh, Acts chapter 16. Um, Lydia, when we first introduced to her, she was she was a worshiper of God, but she was not a Christian yet. And was it uh, Peter and Silas? I think it was. Uh, let me find it. I want to make sure I'm saying the right people here. Paul and Silas, I'm sorry. Paul and Silas met her. She believed in God from before time, and as soon as she heard them, she went to be baptized. Now, she was a seller of purple. Purple back in that time was what the rich people wore. It was very expensive to make. It was actually made out of uh, shellfish. So you had to go and find the shellfish, grind them up, do whatever they did with them, I guess, and make the purple dye. It was very expensive. So for... Anybody who walked around in purple, of course, people saw them and they recognized that they were, you know, fairly, uh, I guess, rich or had had the money to spend on clothing. But again, Lydia, who was the seller of purple, who wore it, she was a good Christian. She was noted to be a good and faithful person. There is also the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. If, if any of you women have never read Proverbs 31, I would definitely recommend that um, to pay, I guess, specific attention. It's a very good example of a virtuous woman. And this virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 was adorned in fine linen and purple. She was, again, like I said, a virtuous woman, dressed very well, and it was not a problem. I think the idea is you can wear what you want as long as it's modest. It's the reason you wear it is the main thing. Are you wearing this piece of clothing for people to look at you? Are you wearing this clothing so that people can go, oh, hey, she just paid $200 for those pair of jeans. She must be rich. That's not a reason to buy a $200 pair. Not that there's really any reason to buy a $200 pair of jeans, but you get my point. Are you wearing what you're wearing to bring attention to yourself or to cover your body? That's the choice. Are you a flashlight shining it on yourself or are you a Christian light? Whether you... Just because you don't say, hey, look at me, this is what you're supposed to wear, doesn't mean that people don't notice. Doesn't mean that people don't take note and say, okay, well, she dressed nice today, or he dressed nice today. You know, not showing out. All right, that was one. Now, our language. This is a big one. You know, several times the tongue is mentioned in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to go into that, but um, the words that we say are probably the most defining part of our character. You can say that about anybody. Uh, if I were to say the name George Carlin, of course he's he's dead now, but George Carlin became famous for his comedian, co comedy routine on the seven words you can't say on television. I'm not going to say those words, obviously, but that was his claim to fame. That was what made him more famous than anybody. Any movie he was in, any comedy routine he did, 
was full of curse words and, and bad things. That's what he was known for. That was his character. And on the other hand, you have, you know, good examples. The Disney Channel tries to do a good job. We have all the preachers and, and, and everybody around who does a good job of how you are supposed to speak. I'm sure you remember Brother Randy's lesson of the, the words we're not supposed to say. And even more than just a specific word, you know, making fun of people, whether they hear you or not, you know, of course, telling a lie about somebody, that's, that's a pretty bad example of, of how you're a pretty bad Christian example. Um, telling a lie is probably about the worst thing you could do as a Christian. Because if you can, you know, think back in your mind in the news, anybody who got caught in a lie, uh, I remember being, as, as a police officer even, uh, if they ever caught you telling a lie on the stand, your credibility was out the window. It was one chance. You know, if, if a lawyer ever caught you in a lie on the stand while you're testifying against somebody, it, you know, the next time you go up to testify, every single lawyer is going to know that you told a lie. And they're going to say, well, you lied about it last time. Why do we believe you now? Kind of thing. It's the exact same way whether you're, you know, in the courtroom or whether you're at work talking to your coworkers. If they catch you in a lie, they have absolutely no reason to believe you ever again. And if you are trying to be a Christian, you know, what are they going to say? Oh, he says he's a Christian, but he's just a liar. You know, do we do we want that to be said about us? I, I don't think so. Now our Prayers. I've got a, I guess, I don't want to call it a funny story, but it's it's worth telling anyway. Let's talk about our prayers and how they, I guess, coincide with our Christian life or our example. Now, God commands us to pray daily, you know, give thanks for our daily bread. That's in uh, Matthew 6, 11. However, He does not expect us to, like I said, take the flashlight, turn it on yourself, and do, you know, make a big deal of praying in public. I was eating, here's, here's the story, I was eating lunch with a couple of guys from work, and uh, this big group, big group of people came in, and there was a restaurant, um, they had two TVs in the dining area, so you could, they had ESPN on there or whatever. Well, this big group of people came in, about 10 or 11 guys, and before they all sat down, one of the guys got up, got up and turned the TVs off. Okay, everybody's kind of trying to figure out what he's doing. Turns the TVs off, the whole group of people stand up, and this man prays for the food. Okay, you know, I'm glad you're praying for the food, but you know what? Everybody in that restaurant saw that. Everybody in that restaurant who was either watching TV or was just enjoying the background noise that the TV was supplying stopped whatever they were doing and watched this man and this group of people pray. And I can't think of a better example of what not to do than that. Um, I do know where they worshipped. I, I don't care to share it, but um, that, that, was, that to me is going to stick out as just the worst possible thing you could do to show that you are a Christian. Okay, I'm sure he was very proud of the fact that everybody in that room knew that he was a Christian and that he liked to pray to God, and, but that's just not right. In my, in my eyes, that's just not okay. He got up, turned the TVs on when he was done, and they all sat down and ate. <coughs> now, is praying, you know, when you go out to a restaurant, is it, does that mean it's bad to pray? No, absolutely not. 
if you're in a loud restaurant and you're praying and everybody and nobody can hear what the guy's saying who's praying, I don't know. That's if he's got to yell and shout to get over the noise to pray, it may be better not to, because everybody that's around you is going to look and see that you're, I don't know, on display, so to speak. Again, it really depends on why are you praying in public. Are you praying to give thanks for the food like you should? If so, fine, go ahead. Are you praying so that the people next to you know that you're a Christian? Are you praying so that somebody might look at you and notice, so that you can you know, have some attention? Then that's, that's the wrong reason to pray in public, period. That is, if you're trying to draw attention to yourself because of it, you probably need to rethink it. <clears throat> now let's talk about our money for a little bit. I said our language and our tongue was probably the number one most defining, char- defining part about our character. Well, how we spend our money is probably number two. Now, God commands us to be good stewards of our resources. There are, I guess, instances of that in 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 10, and also in Titus chapter 1, verse 7. Now, he didn't command, God did not command us that we should live like you know, the, the monks or the priests, uh, you know, the Catholicism say, where you got to give away all your worldly possessions and, and things like that. God didn't tell us how to do, didn't tell us to do that. As a matter of fact, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is full of passages that say to enjoy life. Let me turn here to Ecclesiastes chapter two. <clears throat> I've got a, a few readings. I'll start in verse twenty-four. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. That's Ecclesiastes 2.24. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 9. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. And skip ahead again to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 18. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. So, if you work hard, you can have fun and still be a Christian at the same time. You know, a lot of of preachers, well, I won't say a lot, I've heard preachers when I was, before I was a member of the church, um, who really thought that having fun and, and enjoying yourself was a bad thing, no matter what. It always set the wrong example for you to be out, you know, hooting and hollering and, you know, enjoying yourself. It was always a bad idea because people would look at you and, and want to know what was, what's wrong with that person. Why are they yelping and screaming? And, you know, just always felt bad after one of his sermons whenever he would talk about that. But, you know, the Bible says, as I read it in many, many other occasions, if you work hard, you're allowed to do what you can with the fruits of your labor. Now, let's let's take it back to the lantern or the uh, the flashlight. You know, if you make a lot of money and you want to buy you a nice fancy car, that's fine. But why do you buy the car? Do you buy the car for the emblem that's on the front end? 
Do you buy the car so that when you drive by, people go... Or do you drive the car because it's comfortable, because it's safe, because it gets good gas mileage? You know, in, in what way do you decide to spend your money? Do you spend it for things that make sense, or do you spend it for things that make you feel better? Do you spend it for things that are going to up your stature in society, so to speak? Those are the things that you need to think about when you go to spend your money. Do I want to turn on my lantern so that people can, can see that I'm a Christian, so that people can see that I'm a good steward of my money, or do I want to turn that flashlight around and point it towards me so that people can just see me? <clears throat> now, this, this next one, I, I guess I had, I, of course, I guess any teenager and parent um, fights over music. You know, the music that the kids listen to, I think it's just an eternal constant that your kids' music, you don't like it. I guess I'll be finding out about that in a couple of years. But I know when I was growing up, my parents hated the music that I listened to. And, you know, as, as you're driving in your car, as you're listening on your iPod, Walkman, whatever, you know, what music are you listening to? Because you know other people can hear it. What, what, is, what example does that show? Now, let me get, I guess, one thing straight that I always argued with my mom about, but I guess she didn't want to listen. But the beat, the volume, and the notes of the music are irrelevant. You can listen to uh, classical music, fine. You can listen to heavy metal, fine. It doesn't matter. There is absolutely nothing in the Bible that says you have to listen to only music in a major chord that doesn't make you sad or whatever. Well, music is irrelevant. Okay, It's the words. The words to your songs that matter. If you're listening to a song that's full of cussing, full of talking about people shooting people or whatever, that's not really a good example of a Christian. I can think of one song, I guess it's about a year old now. <clears throat> it was by a group that I, you know, kind of liked for a little bit, heard some of their other songs, and they were good. The group's called Fallout Boy. <clears throat> and this last song, the, the first line in the song says, Say a prayer and let the good times roll in case God doesn't show. It's the first line in the song. And you know what? Every time I hear that, Band, any of their new songs? Change the channel. As soon as I heard those words and I, you know, actually comprehended what they said, that offended me to no end. And of course, the guys in my office, we, we sit, you know, cubicles right next to each other, and the one guy next to me that absolutely loves that group. And you know, I, I had to sit down and say, look, you know, this, that group, it literally offends me to hear that group sing. You know, that kind of hurt his feelings for a little bit, but. You know, he, he understood what I was saying, and you know, I appreciate the fact that he did. But, you know, when you're listening to music, listening to the radio, buying your own CDs, downloading MP3s off the Internet, however it applies to you, make sure that you pick your music thinking about that. Think about what somebody else is going to think of you if you're sitting there playing that music in your, you know, in your head and, and they hear it. What does that say about you? If you're listening to that hardcore rap where people are talking about drive-bys and shooting and gang-banging and all that stuff, is that what you want to be thought of as? You know, are you taking that flashlight, shining it back on yourself, or are you lighting your lantern so that everybody in the room can see what's going on? <clears throat> and this is probably the biggest one. It's the last point. Our worship. Now, God commands order in the assembly. 
And that is in 1 Corinthians 14.40. Let me turn to that real quick. First Corinthians 14.40. Let all things be done decently and in order. Okay? There's a reason for that. <clears throat> you know, a lot of the things that have come about now, as far as liberalism is concerned, in worship services, you, know, you have a guy who's playing a guitar up here. As a matter of fact, we were uh, flipping through the channels while we were at uh, Leota's house earlier, and... Um, it was the First Baptist Church live. They have their services live on TV. And they cut out had about five different cameras, I guess, cutting around. And two people playing the violin over here, one guy playing the tuba, one girl playing the harp. They had a choir back behind them. They had about five or six guys playing all different kinds of drums and stuff. I couldn't figure out what they were preaching about just for watching all those guys going to town. I couldn't even hear the music because I was watching the guy go nuts on the drum. You know, it, when we worship, it's supposed to be orderly. No distractions, nothing crazy, no getting up, no clapping, no jumping, no dancing around. <clears throat> the Israelites were commanded to serve God with joy and gladness of heart. Okay, that's, that's in, uh, well, it's in three different places. I'll just read you the verses. Deuteronomy 28, uh, starting at verse 45. Uh, 1 Kings 8 starting in verse 66, and in Ezra, chapter 6, verse 22. Three places um, where the Israelites are told to serve with joy and gladness of heart. Being a Christian is supposed to make you feel better. Okay? We are too, and this is uh, um, Psalms 1. I'll, I'll be going back and coming back to this before, but it, it's pertinent that I mention it now. Psalms 1 says that we are to delight in the law of the Lord. Delight in the law of the Lord. Psalm 27 and 6 says, Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Delight in the law of the Lord. Psalm 35, verse 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. Psalms 51 and 12. Restore, me, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. We're supposed to be happy to be Christians, Okay? We're supposed to be overflowing with, <clears throat> with joy for the promise that we have in heaven, for the promise that we have in spending eternity with God. But we can't take that joy and use it as a, I guess, as a, what's the word I'm trying to think of, as an excuse to do things in worship. You know, my sister is adamant that music in worship gets her focused, it gets her concentrating on on the Bible and just really makes her feel good about being at church. And, you know, of course, you, I'm not going to go into to what all my sister believes, but that idea, of course, I've heard several, several different people say it, people say it, that, you know, the music and worship, it's a good thing. Yes, it makes me feel good, you know, listen to the words, you really get into it. And I'm glad that you're happy to be there, I'm glad that you're happy to be listening to somebody talk about God, but why are you there? Well, I mean, you, have to be, you need to be happy. You, you should be happy to be a Christian, but you, that's really all that it takes is being a Christian. That's what it takes to be happy. 
It doesn't take music. It doesn't take playing in the band. It doesn't take a choir full, you know, singing professionally led songs with, where everybody hits the perfect note and everything sounds perfect and beautiful solos. And It doesn't take that to be happy about being a Christian. Being a Christian should make you happy. And again, when we worship, as we set our example in worship, do we turn on a lantern or do we turn on a flashlight? You know, when we go to worship, is it so that we can uplift ourselves? It's so that we can raise up God and Jesus and edify each other and teach about them. It's not so that, you know, we can raise our own selves up. <clears throat> now, let me read Psalms 1. This is the entire chapter of Psalms 1. Let me find it here. I have actually, I guess I probably read it, but I didn't remember reading it when I looked through it again. If you've never read it, it's uh, fairly interesting. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalms chapter 1. You know, God wants us to provide spiritual fruit. Okay, He wants spiritual fruit. He doesn't want... Religious nuts, I guess, could be the, uh, the way to say it. We are living in a country, in a world, that is full of people that either don't know, don't want to know, don't care to know, don't believe in God. We are severely outnumbered, the Church of Christ is, as far as other denominations and other people that just don't believe. And it is our job to teach them the truth. It is our job to set that right example. I say it almost every time I, I come to pray up here. I pray that we can set that right example of Christ as we go out and walk through this life. That is our job as Christians, is to set the example of Jesus and to bring people to Him. <clears throat> These people that are out in the world are never going to find it because they're not looking for it. They're, if they were actively seeking it, it would be a totally different world. If everybody in this world was looking for God and trying to find out the truth, this world would be totally different, but they're not. There are kids now that are my age. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a few when I was in college that had never, ever been to church. Not one time. Didn't even hear about God until they were in elementary school. Never even knew... God, what do you, you mean like mythology, like Zeus and all that? Didn't know anything about it. There's people like that today, all over. <clears throat> now, our job, like I said, is to set that example. It's to be that lantern that lights the room. To set the example, not so that people can see us, but so that people can see God. 
so that people can see Jesus, so that they can look at us and ask us, you know, how is it that you can live through this life and not stress out like everybody else is? How is it that you are so happy all the time? You know, I want, I want to do that. That's, that's how we should be living. Being a Christian is a wonderful thing. You know, the stresses of this life are nothing compared to the eternity we can have in heaven. You know, people pass away, that's part of this life. Bad things happen, that's part of this life. But they only happen for 80 years, 90 years. It's not that long of a time. Eternity is eternity. Eternity is forever. 80, 90 years or more, however long you live, it's a drop in the bucket in the ocean. And, you know, there's really, there's tons of different ways to, to, to say it. But, <clears throat> let me read you Matthew 13, verse 44, as I kind of bring this lesson to a close. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for a joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Think about that for a minute. A treasure hidden in a field, you find it. You know you want it. You want every single bit of it. You want it to be yours. So you go and you sell everything that you have to buy that field so that you can have that treasure. That's what it means to be a Christian. You give away all of the things of the earth that you are worried about, that you care about, the things that used to be important to you. And you throw those away so that you can be a Christian. You can be without sin. You can be without fear. You can be without stress. You can be happy. And when you get that, it's a wonderful thing. I can, I can tell you that, and I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But that Christian example is the most important thing that we can do when we leave this building. When we're in it, when we leave it, whatever we're doing, that light has to be on. And that lantern has to be burning bright. If you are not a Christian tonight, I implore you to ask yourself why. Why am I not a Christian? Is it because you think most Christians are hypocrites? Okay. You f find a better example to follow. If it's because you don't want to stop doing the fun things that you're doing now, that's something you have to decide for yourself. Why do you not want to take this free gift and run with it? If you are a Christian, I congratulate you. It's a wonderful thing. If you have found yourself, I guess, questioning things again, um, turning away, making different decisions because you would rather do something else, Ask yourself why. Why am I doing this instead of what I should be doing? Because it feels better? Because it's more fun? Because it makes me look cooler around my friends? Why are you turning away from God? As we stand up and sing this song here in a short minute or two, ask yourself those questions. And if you're able to answer them, we would love for you to come up and tell us why as we stand up and sing this song. Brother.